This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy. I'm your host here, and I'm a sex addict. I've also been sober since December 2nd of 2012, which, if you're listening to this um, as it's being released, is just like a week and a half away or something. So I'm so excited about that. My five-year anniversary, December 2nd. Anyway, very excited about that. Today, though, the day that this podcast, episode 110, is being released is Thanksgiving here in the United States. During my life, it has been a time of reflection and of gratitude, this time of Thanksgiving, a time where we express to our higher power the gratitude we have in our lives for the things that have been given to us and for the circumstances of our lives. Now, early on in recovery, gratitude was something that was super difficult for me. I wasn't grateful for the trauma that I had experienced. I wasn't grateful for the difficult family situation I found myself in. I wasn't grateful that I was an addict. I wasn't grateful for those who had taken advantage of me or who had abused me. Or I wasn't grateful for the life circumstances that I had found myself in. I could go on and on here about the things that I wasn't grateful for. And it seemed to ruin this whole like gratitude thing for me because I had been taught my whole life over and over and over again that everything happens for a reason and that there's always something to be grateful for. My mom made this wall hanging, this cute little quiltish wall hanging for me over 20 years ago that says, when you have a little attitude, find a little gratitude. (laughs) Gratitude had been used in my whole life and been taught to me in my life as a bypass. Forget the anger that you feel. Forget the unfairness of your life. Stuff away those feelings that you have and just be grateful. People out there have it a lot worse than you do, right? A lot worse. Suck it up and be grateful for the opportunities that you have. And be grateful for the opportunity you have to suck it up, right? (laughs) It felt like it was just one more big thing in my life that I was failing at. I wasn't ever grateful enough, ever. And then I actually started reading and studying recovery literature of all kinds when I got into recovery. And it was amazing. It changed my life. All the times I had felt that I was alone or that I was crazy, all the feelings that had gone through my heart and head that I was sure no one else in the entire world had ever felt or seen or heard, all of it was written down in black and white on pages in a book. Someone had been brave enough to write down even their darkest, darkest moments. Someone had been brave enough to share publicly the demons inside of them. I found so much relief in their words, so much relief. And in that relief, a little bit of really, truly humble gratitude was born. Not bypass gratitude, not stuff your feelings and be grateful, but true gratitude born out of humility and out of my heart. I was not alone. I was not crazy. I was not unique. Others had thought and felt the same way that I did. 
Others wanted to scream sometimes, just like I did. Others didn't understand things, just like I did. I was grateful. I was grateful for their courage. I was grateful for their vulnerability. I was grateful for their bravery. I was grateful that their experiences helped guide me out of the dark hole that I had dug for myself in my life. The more literature I studied and read, the more books I've read and assimilated into my life about recovery and addiction, the more grateful I became for these people that came before me. Recently, my nieces and nephews learned a song at school about pilgrims and like pioneers. It's called To Those That Came Before Me. And they were singing it for me just a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> Here are the words of the song. So the first verse says this. To those who came before me in seasons long ago, to those who are the loved ones that I have yet to know, to those whose noble names I bear, whose light within me burns, to them in gratitude shall my heart be turned. Second verse, to those whose lives of courage prepared the way for me, whose works became my heritage, whose harvest I may reap, who left for me a legacy that I have yet to earn, to them in gratitude shall my heart be turned. And the third verse, to those who came before me in days and years long past, to those who are the family that I shall know at last, who laid the sure foundation of the truth that I have learned, to them in gratitude shall my heart be turned. This is a song by, I think her name is Sally DeFord. I love these lyrics. As they were, my nieces and nephews were proudly singing it to me the other night, my mind couldn't help but wander to those that came before me, particularly to the women who came before me. Women from all walks of life. Women from all areas of my life. Women who have endured tragedy, heartache, pain, and suffering. Women who have stood up to be counted in a world who didn't want to count them. The heritage that comes to me as a woman in this world is all that I could think about as they were singing this song. Today, I want to specifically pay tribute to some of the women who came before me. Some amazing women who came before and paved the way for me to be able to be who I am and to be doing what I'm doing. I want to start with some women in my family. Trauma is hard, more than hard. It's super hard. Whether it's physical, emotional, or mental trauma, it doesn't matter. It's all hard. Hard to deal with, hard to process, hard to move on from, hard to recover from. Sometimes we are given tools to help us, and sometimes we just have to do it all on our own. We have to do everything on our own. Trauma also seems to have a generational effect. Studies have been published about the effects of the Holocaust on generations, not just the people who endured it or who saw it, but for generations to come, the Holocaust has had effects on these people. Trauma that we experience affects us. We carry the imprint, and as women, that imprint of the trauma passes to our children. I am a huge fan of the work of Kelly McDaniel. One of the concepts that she speaks about that has meant a lot to me is the concept of an inherited nervous system. She speaks a lot about the, um, the phrase mother hunger, she calls it, and the attachment issues we have with our mothers. She talks about how these inherited nervous systems that we receive from our mothers aid to repeat trauma that they have experienced. 
maybe that concept seems a little abstract or you're not really sure what it means. So she talks about how because we as women carry babies in our body, our nervous system imprints on these babies that we carry and we inherit to a degree their nervous system. So let me give you two concrete examples to try to see if this can help you. Just a few weeks before my second grade picture day, okay, so when I was a little girl, a few weeks before my picture day, we got a skateboard at my house. I can't remember exactly why or who it belonged to. I don't exactly remember all the details, but we just got a skateboard and it was new. I was not good at balancing on the skateboard while standing up, but I was awesome at putting one knee on the board and with the other um, leg kind of pushing myself along the sidewalk. I hope you, you can envision what I mean. I could get going really fast and then tuck both knees up underneath myself and ride along the skateboard. That was until one day I hit a piece of uneven sidewalk. The board stopped because the wheel couldn't pop up over the ledge, but my body did not stop. And I scraped up the left side of my face, my knee, my arm, all on that left side, my shin, and it was pretty severe. And it's evidenced by this big, huge scab that I have on my face for my second grade picture. It's all over the left side. Like my whole cheek is just one big scab. Now, that happened to me when I was in second grade as a little girl. Not too long ago, I was going through some old pictures and found pictures of both my mom and my grandmother, her mom, in second grade. And guess what? Both of them had scrapes on their faces. It's unreal to me. I have the pictures. You can see them. I, I don't know either story about how they got there or what happened. But that, my friends, is way more than just a coincidence, right? And if you want to blow it off as a coincidence, listen to this one. When I was 16, my family was in a massive car accident. My brother was driving late at night, fell asleep, and rolled the van with my entire family in it two and a half times. It was brutal. Now, I wasn't in the car. When everyone was released from the hospital and returned home, I was the only one who could drive. I was the only one capable of going up and down the stairs um, as far as like kind of adults in my house. The injuries of my mom and my dad and my older sister prevented them from driving. At the tender age of 16, I became the parent in my household. What that meant is that I dropped out of school. I drove my dad back and forth to work every day. I took care of the kids. I got them back and forth to school. I cooked, I cleaned, I ran errands. Everything a mom did for a busy family of eight, six children, two adults, was now my responsibility. In addition to taking care of my dad, right, who um, had a lot of stitches and was really struggling. So that's what happened to me when I was 16. That's a little bit traumatic for a 16-year-old to drop out of school. Listen to this, though. When my mom was 16, her parents split up. Her dad left her mom and moved out of state. And her mom, at the time, took to her bed. Literally did not get out of bed except for to, like, use the bathroom and shower for almost six months, my mom said. So what did that mean? That meant that my mom had to drop out of school at the age of 16 and take care of her younger sisters and try to keep a household running while her mom was in bed depressed and her dad was living out of state. Now, when, my, when her mom, my grandma, was 16, her mother had a pretty serious stroke, causing her mom to lose her speech. That, that would be my great-grandmother. Lose her speech and some of her mobility. 
So that caused my grandma to drop out of school and take care of her younger brothers and older sister. Talk about trauma repetition, <laughs> right? I mean, these three generations of women at the age of 16 had some type of family tragedy that required them to drop out of school and become the parent of their house. Fortunately for me, my story changed. My grandmother never did go back to school and complete her high school diploma. My mom did go back to school and finished her senior year and her high school diploma. I took a test, got my high school equivalency certificate, and went on to graduate from college. So things changed a little bit. However, the trauma repetition is still there. At first, making these realizations, I sat in disbelief, wondering how in the world these types of things could repeat in lives. How do the strings of the world get pulled in order to make something like that repeat in three generations? I don't really understand that. I don't really know. I don't have an answer for that. What I do know and what I have come to appreciate and love about these stories is the courage and the fortitude of these women, the women who came before me. I love their ability to survive and thrive after such trauma. I love that they each had a great sense of humor and love to laugh. I love that they never saw their trauma as an excuse. I also know that they didn't have the resources that they needed to completely work through some of the significant things that happened to them, and they did the very best that they could under the circumstances they found themselves in. In addition to these stories I've shared, I could tell you many more from earlier generations that have repeated throughout the lives of these women. I love these women that came before me and my family. Seven generations of women on my mother's line would be this. Myself, Amy, Jane, my own mother, Wilma, her mother, Amy, her mother, that's my great-grandmother, who I'm named after, Martha, Lovina, and Jerusha. Their lives remind me of the first verse of our song. To those who came before me in seasons long ago, to those who are the loved ones that I have yet to know, to those whose noble names I bear, whose light within me burns, to them in gratitude shall my heart be turned. I bear their names. I literally bear their names. I was named after two of them, my first and middle name, but I also bear their names by saying them out loud. Their light burns within me, the light of resiliency, the light of survival, the light of life that they carry burns within me from them. And I'm grateful for their lives of courage and for the heritage that they gave me. And I'm grateful to have tools to stop some of this trauma repetition, to drastically change the family line and the family lines of others that I interact with. I'm grateful for these women who came before me in my family. Next, I want to honor some of the women that came before me in recovery. When recovery was a brand new concept, I know that's a little hard to believe that was the case at some point in time, but it was, there were women who stood up to be counted in recovery. While writing what came to be known as the big books of Alcoholics Anonymous, there was some serious consideration given to the title 100 Men, representing the first 100 men who considered themselves members of AA and who were working on sobriety. However, that idea was squashed because of the presence of Florence R., at that time, she was about a year sober. Her husband was friends with Bill W., one of the founders of AA, and her written story was published in the first edition of the big book and was called A Female Victory. They couldn't call the book 100 Men and One Woman, <laughs> and so the book was changed to Alcoholics Anonymous. We know it now as the big book. 
The double standard that existed at this time for women was significant. This paragraph from an AA History website describes it well. It says, quote, The once virtually universal stigma that besieged alcoholic men was exponentially greater for women. Nice women, quote unquote, nice women didn't drink to excess. This made it extremely difficult to admit to a drinking problem in the first place. As our pioneers of AA battled not only for their own sobriety, but for some level of respectability, they were reluctant to associate themselves with beggars, tramps, asylum inmates, prisoners, queers, plain crackpots, and fallen women. Notice that tramps, oh, close quote from that website. Notice that tramps and fallen women are different categories. <laughs> that last line comes from and is printed in the, um, the 12 and 12, the 12 steps and 12 traditions um, by AA. As big as the stigma was for alcoholics in the early days, fallen women were lower on the totem pole and women who drank were considered fallen women. As difficult as it is now to get help in for women in recovery, those early days had to be exponentially even more difficult, even more brutal, and even more lonely. It is because of women like Florence R., Sylvia K., Lil, Jane Sturdivant, and Dr. LeClaire Bissell, and Marty Mann, don't forget Marty Mann, that set the way before us that our recovery path is more accessible than theirs was. I love saying these names out loud. Florence R., Sylvia K., Lil, Jan Sturdivant, Dr. LeClaire Bissell, and Marty Mann. Their lives of courage remind me of the second verse of this song that I read. To those whose lives of courage prepared the way for me, whose works became my heritage, whose harvest I may reap, who left for me a legacy that I have yet to earn, to them in gratitude shall my heart be turned. The work and courage of these women have become part of my heritage as I freely partake of recovery. It is because of the legacy that they have left me that I continue to want to work with women and for women as I earn my place in this legacy of women helping women in recovery. I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for their families. I'm grateful for those that allowed them to be there, that supported them, that helped them. These are the women that came before me in recovery, and I'm grateful for them. I just want to say their names out loud one more time. Florence R., Sylvia K., Lil, Jan Sturdivant, Dr. LeClaire Bissell, Marty Mann. Somehow saying them out loud makes me feel like they know that I'm thinking about them, and I am grateful for their example and for their willingness to be counted in a world that didn't want to recognize or count them. The last group I want to express my gratitude for, the last group of women I want to express my gratitude for and to recognize are all the women throughout time who have in some way paved the way for me to be able to do what I want to do. Starting with going to school and getting an education. That hasn't always been the case for women. The women who paved the way before me to vote, to own property, to have a bank account. The women who fought against arranged marriages, the women and women being sold like property, the women who started freely talking about their own experiences, who now allow me to do the same thing on this podcast. It wasn't very many years ago that women were not free to do these things. We have a long way to go for women, at least I believe that, 
but I want to express my gratitude and my appreciation for all the women who have suffered throughout time and fought against the ideas of the day regarding who they were, what they were capable of, and who they should become. I also, in this, recognize and express my love and my gratitude to all those who, for whatever reason, could not fight back. Because I've been there. I've been there where my voice was silenced. And though I could say no in my mind and even feel no in my body, I couldn't fight back or say no out loud. I see you too, and I honor you as well. And that might seem like every woman in the world, and maybe it is, and that is totally okay with me. Because I am a woman and these women that came before me are part of me in some way. The final verse of our song reads, To those that came before me in days and years long past, to those who are the family that I shall know at last, to those who laid the sure foundation of the truth that I have learned, to them in gratitude shall my heart be turned. These women who came before me laid the sure foundation of the truth that I have learned in recovery. That that truth is that as a woman, I have innate, intrinsic value just because of who I am and that I am enough. Who and what I am right now is more than enough. These women collectively throughout time laid the foundation for the truth that women can be whomever and do whatever they want. They have helped me embrace what it means to be a woman and to honor and to be excited about that. Learning these things and cultivating gratitude was something I had to learn to do differently in recovery. I do believe the quilt hanging my mom made me years ago, that when you have a little attitude, you need to try a little gratitude. It just took me some time to develop real gratitude, to understand what gratitude is and to understand how it helps me, to not use it as a bypass to stuff my feelings and to just be grateful but to understand true gratitude that is born in humility and born in my heart. The women that came before me and my family have contributed to who I am. I bear their names, I carry their light, and I am grateful for their lives and for their experiences. The women that came before me in recovery have contributed to who I am. I honor their courage and I carry their legacy in my own recovery journey. The women that came before me in the world have contributed to who I am. I stand on the foundation that they built in order to honor and embrace my own truth about the value of women in this world. I am grateful that recovery allowed me to reclaim true gratitude in my life. Gratitude that humbles me, that molds me, and that shapes me. Gratitude that helps me remember that I am not alone in this world or in this fight for recovery. Gratitude that helps the journey be easier, lighter, and better. I challenge you today, on this Thanksgiving day and in this, wow, I just knocked my microphone. Okay, I challenge you today, on this Thanksgiving day and in this season of offering thanks to reclaim gratitude in a way that works for you. Find the things that keep you humble, that lead you on your way. Find the people who have stood by you and helped you and accepted you unconditionally. Whatever it is, find that today and express your gratitude. Reclaim gratitude, not as a bypass, not as an excuse, not as something that you do instead of feel your emotions, but as something truly born in the humility of your heart. In addition to these women in my life that I'm grateful for, I'm also grateful for 
each of you who listen to the Worth Recovery podcast, women and men, because I know they're both out there. You keep me going. You help me find and see value in myself and what I have to offer this world. And I express my gratitude to you today. I'm grateful for you. As we close today, I just want to remind you that you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. No matter what is going on in your life today, no matter how far down you think you've gone, no matter how grateful or ungrateful you feel in this very moment, because I've been there, you are worth recovery. I know that. And if you don't, just hold on to my knowledge until you can feel it for yourself. I'm grateful for you today, and I hope that you can feel that. I think about you, and I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.